What's up, everybody? Welcome to the All Sooners Podcast, episode 192. We're moving on along. It is Tuesday, June 13th. We're trying to get back on that every Wednesday track, but I got to tell you, the magnitude of the news cycle in the past seven days, <laughs> yeah, it's been something else. You guys know everything that's going on, and it has been crazy to cover. Uh, I can just say that. Ryan Chapman joins us from the famed Studio Ryan and more. I'm John Hoover. I'm in Tulsa. Uh, later in the show, segment three, we're going to be joined by our recruiting analyst, Randall Sweet, who's basically, he's like standing by at the Brent Venables Elite uh, High School camp today. Uh, it's almost going to be like sending it to a, Randall for a live shot. Randall, tell us about your, you know, where you're at on the street, man on the street. But first, um, for the fourth week in a row, Ryan, we're going to start where else with softball. Holy crap, the news yesterday. We thought about podcasting last Thursday after the game, after the national championship. We thought about podcasting last night after Jordy Ball rocked everybody's world with some news that you knew was coming as early as Thursday, last Thursday night after the game. Um, Just an incredible surge in the news cycle, Ryan. I'll just let you take it from there. Yeah, it's crazy to think that uh, between the last time we met and today, <laughs> just in case anyone missed it, Oklahoma did win a national championship. They now have seven rings, seven Natty Patty, as she said at the championship celebration. Uh, all the history, best winning percentage, second program ever to go back to back to back. All that happened, just in case anyone missed that. Uh, but here we are five days after the dog pile in Oklahoma City and no one wants to talk about a national championship or anything like that because the best pitcher in the sport in kind of a, an odd, not because Jordy weird or anything like that, but just an odd quirk of, of events. Jordy Ball announces that she's in the transfer portal with the desire to go home. She put out what I thought was a really thorough and really nice statement on Twitter yesterday. Uh, but the thing that stuck out to me were, were two points. One, Jordy Ball said that the two things that are most important to her are her faith and her family. We know that she's been able to flourish the first point of that in Norman, in, in Patty Gasso's program, but her family's in Nebraska. And so that circled back to the end of the statement where she said that she's going to get to be Jordy Ball more than just a softball player. She wants to go home and, and really be a, a way to pay the new path for um, what she rightly coined is kind of an under uh, appreciated, under recruited, underserved in the terms of, of college athletics state, which is what what high school girls and high school athletes are able to do coming out of Nebraska. So she's headed home. Uh, there's been some confusion. ESPNW, I think, reported to Nebraska, the University of Nebraska. While that is my expectation, that is not set in stone. So. Um, there, there are three, I think, Division One softball programs in the state of Nebraska. If you're asking me to guess, I would say she's probably a Cornhusker um, this time next year. But that is not official, so I just want to kind of clear the water, uh, clear the air, excuse me, on that point of it. Yeah, she's possibly going to Creighton, which is in Omaha. Could, what could be possible? It, it's probably going to be the Cornhuskers, but it's yeah. not official. It's not official. Yeah, sure. Um, just uh, earth, earth-shattering news, obviously. There's a lot of ways to to approach this. You heard about this at the at basically after the after party on Thursday night. They're singing with Toby Keith and they're pounding the 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 long necks or whatever. And they're having a good time. And 
word has already gotten out that Jordy Ball is thinking about transferring. This might have been her last game. I got a really good close-up photo of her on the field after the game, and she's sobbing. She's hugging Jen Rocha, and she's sobbing, her pitching coach. And I'm thinking, boy, they must be just drained, you know, emotionally drained to have hit this wall and to to become uh, overcome with emotion like this. There were some tears, but there was only one person who was sobbing. And it was Jordy Ball, and I'm I know because I was down there in it. You can you can feel the emotion, you can smell the the post game sweat, all that stuff, right? And so I'm thinking to myself, there, this is this is unusual. And then you hit me the next morning with, guess what? <laughs> I was like, no way, Ryan. I told you, I said, no, this is not happening. I told my wife, and she goes, boy, what's what's he been smoking? <laughs> <laughs> and you said you texted me later. I'm probably just being paranoid. But as it as the weekend picked up and as it gained steam and as we finally got to Monday morning, you and I at nine o'clock on Monday morning, we had a story ready to go. We had headlines ready to go. We had sidebars ready to go because it had picked up so much steam. Ultimately, Ryan, go into Jordy's mind for me and kind of explain to the because what I told you was I woke up Monday morning and said, maybe she wants to hit more. Maybe she wants to pitch more. Maybe she wants to be 200 innings a year instead of 100. Maybe they've got an NIL deal at Nebraska that OU can't match. None of that, Ryan. None of that happened. Or, or, I mean, we'll see. Maybe she'll pitch more. Maybe she'll hit more. Maybe she'll get a great NIL deal at Nebraska. But right now, as we as we read her statement, as as we listen to her on that podcast, the uh, what the heck was the name of that podcast? Now I've forgotten it. Oh, I I don't remember the podcast. I just remember the clip where she's talking about yeah. trying to capture that fire again. Yeah, and she she was wondering if she, why she's not competitive. This was last fall when her the lineup the hitters are taking her out of the yard, probably right. And all this adds up to she wasn't herself. She wasn't her competitive killer. She she didn't seem all that happy at times. You know, just reading body language is all we've got. Uh, the Max the max Out Mindset Podcast, I think is what it was called. Yeah. Um, Widman was the name. If you want to take a listen to it, it's 49 minutes. It's really revealing. Uh, we've got a little clip of it at uh, posted at All Sooners. Look look for the, the Jordy Ball coverage. But Ryan, take me kind of through her back through her mindset. What was ultimately, it wasn't about hitting more. It wasn't about pitching more. It wasn't about NIL. Yeah, that's what makes this, I think, an odd, um, an odd situation, maybe for the program to digest and for fans to digest, is because yeah. we've become so accustomed covering college football. Uh, I want playing time immediately. If I don't get that, I'm a risk to hit the transfer portal. Okay, nil, tampering, all that stuff. Just look at any Pat Narduzzi, anything he said the last eighteen months, stuff like that. And it, that does not feel like the reality of this situation. I know it's hard to believe in 2023 that we could have a story that's as simple as Jordy Ball is from Nebraska. Jordy Ball's family is in Nebraska. Jordy Ball wants to go back home. She wants to go home. And I was told that that was exactly the statement that was repeated. I don't have knowledge of the conversation that patty gasso and the coaching staff had that patty gasso referenced in her statement 
but I am aware that that I am going home was the line used to uh, at, at least one or two people around the program after that initial meeting. And, and I think that that shows every window you pair her statement with that, because it, it makes a lot of sense. You, you take that podcast in and, and we were talking about in February and early March, Jordy ball was still pitching really well, but that wasn't the freshman Jordy ball that yep. we had seen. And the questions that we were asking internally going back and forth at some of the coverage of the stuff was, Hey, that was a pretty serious forearm injury. Maybe it's just as simple as trusting your body again, working yourself back into it. And I think it makes all the sense in the world that Jordy Ball was inserted into a one-run game against a top-five team in Florida State early in March, and that's when the light switched. And maybe it took that for her to turn that competitive switch once again, and then she was, from there on out, excellent. Nailed. She recovered from a again, by her standard, shaky start of the season to finish as the number two pitcher in the country in ERA because of that moment on. But it just feels like, and with all of the gift of hindsight, that's not something that would be sustainable for two more years to fight that, fight that, be searching through the year trying to find that. Why not just go back home? And so uh, personally, I can respect that as someone who's covered Jordy and talked to her a bunch. Um, like no one should ever question the competitor that Jordy Ball is. Patty Gasso said that, but even even the highest competitors have to find that fire from somewhere. And now maybe going back home is, is going to be the the best version of that. And now as as the days have kind of passed and, and had more conversations, texts are being returned again. Um, it, it sounds like there are, while on its face, this was a shocking announcement to the team. But as the team has looked back, in hindsight, some of them have even said, yeah, she wasn't really herself. And, and there was this uh, one or two, I know knowledge of one or two players that had expressed to people within the program afterward that, yeah, this all makes more sense now that she didn't quite seem herself the last 12 months. And then yeah. when you have this aha moment, looking back on it, it kind of illustrates some of the things that I think that a couple of people in the locker room were, were feeling. Yeah, when I remember um... – doing a couple of those rewrites uh, early in the uh, early in the season. And I remember reading your stuff and I remember watching a couple of the early televised games and she's hitting batters and she's walking batters and her ERA got up to two. I mean, at some point she, I think I looked it up. She had 35 runners allowed in her first 29 innings. And that's like not elite. That's, that's not even real good in softball. That's not even, that's, that's a little bit better than average. And I'm thinking this is not normal for her. Her ERA got up to two six six, and you're like, "That's she's she's supposed to be way better than that." All of us. That's just me, right? That's you. That's everybody who's watching this. All of us who are watching softball from the outside, we looked in on Jordy and we said, "That's not normal. She's better than that. She's supposed to be elite." Can you imagine that pressure? Can you imagine that pressure? And then from that spot in the schedule where you, you pointed out all the way to the end, she lowered her ERA almost every game, almost every time she pitched, she lowered her ERA. She, she was able to gather it in refocus. I just can't imagine how much, what is she 20 years old? Um, I can't imagine how much pressure you're under to carry the banner of OU softball and to do it like she did at the end where it was 24 and two thirds innings at the college world series of scoreless softball. And I think her, her scoreless streak reached 29 innings in, in the postseason. This is against the best of the best. She carried that pitching staff 
when whenever there was a, a rock or a hard place or a speed bump or a roadblock or something, she came in and shut it down. And every time somebody got on base, she was better. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm looking back on that. Like we're looking at it as it's unfolding in real time. And we're looking at, you know, I'm like, she reminds me of Baker Mayfield. She reminds me of Kyler Murray. She reminds me of Jalen Hurts. You know, all these stone cold killers, these assassins that get out there and just give me that moment. I'm going to chop it in half. She loves that stuff. Now project what we know now with how much, how she was feeling about herself and how she was lacking confidence. And she didn't have her mojo makes it even all the more impressive, Ryan. Yeah, it does, 100%. And I just wonder, we heard in the preseason, this is something I've referenced a couple of times because it just really stuck out to me in the moment. Patty Gasso's preseason press conference talking about fighting against not even complacency but the pressure yeah. and how something that she has told her team over and over and over again is no one at Oklahoma needs to be a hero. Oklahoma softball doesn't need a hero. They are talented enough that um, you can have – Alyssa Brito didn't hit a home run in the Lewis College World Series and Oklahoma's offense rolled on, right? Alyssa Brito wasn't bad, but she didn't have to have that pressure to hit grand slams or anything like that. And that's fine. And it's correct. But Jordy Ball did not feel that. And I don't think that Terry Jennings or Jada Coleman, the way that those three specifically, the conversation around them and, and Jada Coleman all year long has been very open with how mental health has been something she's had to grapple with and adjust to and and the pressure of social media and and just everything that keeps on these athletes because as OU softball sets records, and and again, this Women's College World Series Championship Series set a new viewership record up 7% over last year's, which set a record. Um, That spotlight, the hate that this team specifically gets from places outside of Oklahoma on social media, all of that stuff, I, I just seems like it really, really got to the team this year. And and not just a Jordy Ball thing. You were on the field. You were in the middle of the celebrations. You've been in the middle of the celebrations the last two years. You tell me. But from the press box looking down, that looked like a team that initially was like, well, we won dogpile. But the rest of the celebration was almost like, we yeah. won. It was a relief. We didn't blow it. That's what we were supposed to do. All that. So it, it didn't feel like a huge championship celebration. It almost just felt like a thank goodness. It, it was the Jimmy Butler leaning over the advertising boards in the bubble meme in like team form of them just being like, we made it to the end. We did it. We won. And that's a team that just won 53 straight games and only lost one game all year long. It just felt like more relief than, yeah. than the initial like joy that that's supposed to wash over you for weeks and weeks upon winning a title. You um, you would like to think that they go into every game with the mindset, right? We're going to win this game. We're going to win this game. When, and then the next game, we're going to win this game. When that mindset reaches 51, 50, 47, 53 in a row eventually, yeah, no, it's, it's just absolute – it's an insurmountable amount of pressure that's on. And – that's again, that's what makes it all the more impressive is handling that pressure, handling those expectations, handling that winning streak, handling all the nut jobs like you and me who are going, Hey, you think you're going 54? Uh, and still being able to take down the second best team in the country or the the best young freshman right handed pitcher in the country. It's just, uh, it's it's a statement on where Patty has the uh, the, ter- the the team, the program. We'll talk more about that we'll talk more about the game we'll talk more about this team 
uh, in the next segment. One, we'll finish on this uh, as long as we're talking about Jordy. Uh, we haven't mentioned it. Everybody knows it. Um, the word is she's got a boyfriend, longtime boyfriend on the baseball team at the University of Nebraska. You know what they need to do? They need to go like the two of them need to get if if it's too much to handle, too much pressure, too much whatever. They're not having joy. They're not finding that joy. Go coach. Get the two of them together can start a coaching clinic or school or teaching academy or something in in Omaha and would probably make millions of dollars uh, just teaching young young athletes. Anyway, that's silly, of course. But uh, where do you think she ranks, Ryan? You're more of a historian on uh, OU softball than than I would be or a lot of people. Uh, but in terms of competitiveness, I think she's at the very top. I think she's the best that I've seen just in terms of, oh, you got runners on base? Fine, I'll come in and I'll, I'll shut it down. Nobody on, no, nobody out, I'll – I'm turning this off. I'm killing this rally. Just in terms of her career, two years at OU, where do you think she ranks all time and, and what's going to be her legacy? Yeah, it's tough because you've got just a, a number of dominant aces who have, who have helped this program and done a lot. Um, Kehlani Ricketts was in a spot where the lineup top to bottom needed her bat and her power. And, and so, that's kind of hard to price in because I think Jordy has that offense in her. She just wasn't called upon. I think she had 43 at bats this season, not because her numbers were bad, just because it wasn't necessary. But when you look at just the way that she absolutely tormented, tormented like UCLA's offense in the fourth game of Oklahoma's season last year. Um, And when you look at her ability to have, power and attack it at all levels of the strike zone the way the ball breaks in and out it's really hard for me like my my three would be Kalani Ricketts Paige Parker and Jordy Ball and it it feels unfortunate that we didn't get the full scope of Jordy Ball to to because she would have been number one for me but I think that almost yeah. speaks to her greatness that she pitched two years and in one of those years, the most important part of the season, she was not healthy, not 100%. Right. I, I've never watched a better pitcher at Oklahoma. And I had literally front row seats for Kalani Ricketts and for Paige Parker, not press box seats, but I, I was in the stadium. I watched them pitch a ton. Um, and it's not a knock on either of those. I think that those are three of the best to ever do it. But if I were – you give me their best season just to go out and win a game in the circle – I'm taking Jordy number one pick from, from that. Cause again, think of how far offense and softball has come. Yep. Even since Paige Parker rolled through the women's college world series and dominated um, Oklahoma was kind of an outlier in what they were doing with those Chamberlain and Ricketts teams power wise. And now these teams are like, yeah, that's if, if we don't hit that many home runs, like that's a disappointment. Cause we've got that power top to bottom. That, that, that's the field Jordy ball rolled through uh, throughout her tenure at Oklahoma these last two years in college softball. So uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take a little break right here. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more softball. I don't know if I communicated this clearly in the first segment. Oklahoma won a national championship. <laughs> they did. We'll have to talk about that. We'll tell you all about how it happened. A little more on Jordy Ball. All that's next coming up on the All Sooners podcast. Hey, are you a business owner looking to get your product out there to the masses? 
Let's say you run a hotel in Norman or a car dealership in Oklahoma City or a restaurant in Edmond. Or maybe you're a small online business who creates and sells OU merchandise and you just want Sooner Nation to come sample your wares. Well, then consider advertising in this space right here on the SI Sooners podcast. SI Sooners reaches thousands of readers, viewers, and listeners literally every day. And the SI Sooners podcast is the ideal place to find your next customer. To advertise, send an email to allsoonerssi at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter at all underscore Sooners. On Twitter, you can give us a follow at all underscore Sooners. I'm at John E. Hoover. Ryan's at at, uh, underscore Ryan Chapman. You can follow our other guys. Ross is at Ross Lovelace, and Randall is at Randall Sweet Five. Follow him for all the latest recruiting news. He's out at the Brent Venables camp right now. He's going to take a little lunch break, and he's going to jump on in the next segment. Uh, the website, of course, is allsooners.com. We are a fan nation affiliate, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Remember, All Sooners is free. No memberships, no signups, no usernames, no emails, no passwords, no credit cards needed. Just allsooners.com. Log on. And click your to your heart's content. Okay, Ryan, Sooners, unbelievable season. Dude, I this this is the equivalent of UConn women's basketball going undefeated and not only going undefeated, but beating everyone by 30, 30 points like they used to do uh 10 years ago under Gino Oriema. 61 and one, 53 in a row. They won their third straight national title, the only team to do that. Uh, the only second team, sorry, to do that. Uh, Jordy gets all the headlines, but um, if you look at the pitching staff, you look at the pitching staff's postseason and how they contributed. Um, clutch hits throughout the lineup. Some people are not hitting. It's like the question I asked of Jada and and Tiari. Some people, sometimes they're not hitting. Somebody else comes up and hits. Those people, maybe they're not hitting. Somebody else comes up and hits. It's just, it's literally pick your poison. And this team fulfilled, it felt like destiny, didn't it? Like there was no way this team was going to lose after that winning streak that they posted. Yeah. Patty Gasso talked about this after Bedlam. She talked about it after Bedlam game two, that is the big comeback. She talked about it after the Clemson game. Uh, she talked about it a little bit after Texas game two, when they came back that she's, she said multiple times that this team had this steal, this determination of like, we are not going to lose and we are not out of this game. And she always talked about how that was, a very powerful thing to to feel from a group and, and to be around. And, and you saw it on full display. The record is unreal. And I, I think that maybe this has gone under-talked about, which is in part my fault as someone who, who talks about this team a lot. But they did this, and the record was more difficult. The, the schedule was more difficult than last yeah. year. It felt like Patty Gasso intentionally said to challenge this team, to fight complacency, I need – the hardest schedule that I can find. And and it was one of those things that we talked about. I'm um, coming out of selection Sunday. If you looked at the national seeds, just how many of those Oklahoma had not only beaten, but beaten multiple times, things like that. And then you roll through it, Jordy Ball going toe-to-toe with Nigel Candidate and, and the offense coming through twice without really using the long ball. Nicole May in that second game against Stanford has a rough first inning, then retires 13 straight and she looked fine when, when she was pulled out of the game, it was just Jordy time and in, in Patty's summation, Alex Storocco who had had a start to forget against 
uh, Cal and, and a bad inning against Clemson really came in the national championship and did what everything Patty asks of her, which is keep it within one foot of the fence, trust your defense. And Jada Coleman will come up big with a defensive play only gave up the solo shot. Like it was a, a staff effort there. Then you look to the champ series game two. It was Sidney Sanders. It was Grace Lyons, some solo shots some timely hitting from Kinsey Hansen. Game one was the Kinsey show plus Jordy running the bases I mean, it's hard to pick out one particular player outside of Jordy Ball to say, wow, look at this. It was incredible. I think that's why Oklahoma only had half of the all-tournament team when they probably should have had, like, just their starting lineup copy and pasted <laughs> in because it was like, okay, the seven, eight, nine hole, like, Grace Lyons was really effective, but it was mostly walks up until her home run. Uh, Alina Torres was awesome. Riley Boone, the party starter, as, as Jada Coleman said. Uh, it, it was just the dominant effort. And that's why you saw they were so hard to beat because it didn't matter if Tiari Jennings went 0 for 4, she was going to come back and, and have a decisive double to to help win the game. It just did not matter. No one could hold this team down. Yeah, they have an irrepressible will um, and an ability to focus through, uh, what would you call it, uh, hitting the wall, an ability to focus through, you know, being in a slump. Uh, Grace Lyons' slump in the College World Series was was fairly epic. She was over, I think. I think Haley Lee was over as well, and they both came up with clutch hits down the stretch of the late games. Grace had a big one against Clemson, and uh, and then had the big home run against Florida State. And it never felt like like you know Grace with it with an over around her neck, right? Comes to the plate. It never felt like oh geez, here we go. She's going to ground into a double play. She's going to pop up. She's going to strike out. It never felt like that. It always felt like this is the one where they're going to, this, she's going to do something spectacular. And I'm telling you, I've told you this on the pod last week, looking through the viewfinder of your camera and you zoom in real tight and you're like, okay, I want to see one. Uh, you're, you're not hoping for greatness. You're not rooting for a win. You're, you want a good shot. You want a good action shot. And I'm like, okay, Here's where I'm going to get my good action shot. Grace is coming to the plate. Pop, 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 pop. Oh, she's smiling. Oh, she's pointing. She's happy about something. She's sliding into second with a two-run double. That's what you see when you're on the field. And, you know, you don't, I'm not even following where the ball's going. I don't know if it's being caught, if it's bounced off somebody's leg. But you get that sensation with this team is where I'm going with this. You get that sensation that, somebody's going to do it. It's going to be this batter. If it's not this batter, it's going to be the next batter. It's hard to explain. Um, May, I thought was really good. You know, she went four and third against Clemson, and then she went five against Stanford. She she gave up six earned runs in those starts. But I thought she, for the most part, I thought she was really good. She was not dominating. She was not, you know, locked down like Jordy was able to do several times. Storaco had a couple of uh, a couple of appearances versus Clemson. Um, everybody got to pitch against Tennessee, but she got those four innings, four good innings against Florida State. She gave up one earned run to the home run. And when you couple that with Jordy Ball coming off the bench late, and you couple that with all those clutch hits, and you couple that with Jada Coleman making that catch up against the fence, how could this team not win? So um, having said all that, Ryan, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this. Can they four Pete? They've won one without Jordy. They're on a three three game three championship three year winning streak right now. They won one without Jordy, and then they won one with Jordy. Very limited last year. 
and then they won one with her this year at the top of her game. She leaves. Can they come out and win one in 2024? I say yes. Yeah, the, the crazy thing, and this is where I guess Danny Canal will just clip this as us being the homers that we are, whatever. Uh, whatever he wants to say, but like, look at look at what they lost, right? So they, they're they going to lose Grace Lyons, huge hole. I'm telling you right now, she will not be replaced as a shortstop. You can get a, you can find a very, very good shortstop. Grace yeah. Lyons will not be replaced as a shortstop. Agreed. There's some options on the team. Uh, we saw Tiari Jennings slide over and play short for a, a game or two while Grace Lyons was kind of had that absence. I would not expect that. If it's someone that's on the roster right now, I think the most likely candidate would be Brito to slide over. She played short her freshman year at Oregon. That gives you an option, whether you find a third baseman in the portal, whether Alina Torres comes back in the infield and plays third, like we saw um, in that game against the the final Bedlam game where Brito had that heat exhaustion to start the game, sure. stuff like that. That that would be an option there. Avery um, Hodge got a look this year. Yeah, yeah. So a- Avery Hodge and, and she – um, she'll have to improve the offense. I think if she wants a real look, but she's someone that I, I think Patty Gasso loves her defensively. Uh, Haley Lee, the designated player. We don't have to go too far into the portal to sift through some people that could be candidates for that. Right. Um, this is not breaking news or anything, but like, I think everyone would say, Hey, Kern, Taryn Kern, who just hit 26 home runs. I think it was, was the big 10 player of the year as a true freshman. That would be a bat that is in the portal right now, already in the transfer portal. That it'd be appetizing for Oklahoma to add. I think they'll pursue that. If she picks OU, we'll see. But I think that's someone Oklahoma will probably be interested in. Then you're looking at, okay, you've got Nicole May, who this was her best statistical season, and she was not the overwhelming dominant force that Jordy Ball was. She wasn't, right? But numbers-wise, her ERA is .01 off of Jordy Ball's ERA. If you look at their whip, which is walks plus hits per inning pitch, basically it's a measure of how many base runners you have, virtually identical. The opposing team batting average was .001 off. Jordy had a .160. May had a .161. The yeah. numbers are very similar. Yeah. And she's good. Development path. Jen Rocha, the pitching coach, we have a story up on all suitors right now about that. Here's to deal the freshman. So you're, you're looking for probably – a portal pitcher, probably two, frankly. Um, Oklahoma had been adding Hope Trout, wine out, Strzok go back-to-back offseasons, the grad transfer, probably look for one of those, that a younger arm to fill the eligibility void that OU probably had priced in, that they'd have Jordy for two more years. But even before any of those additions, I'm taking this lineup versus any lineup in the country, and it's not going to be as dominant. It's going to be back and forth. But if Nicole May and Alex Straco pitch that series against Florida State and Jordy Ball doesn't exist, I think Oklahoma wins that series probably in three games instead of two. Like, May and Straco were that good. May is that good. I know that I people agree. have doubts. She, If you look at her Women's College World Series, it's only against UCLA that she's not been really good. Literally anybody else, she's been good enough for Oklahoma to win and win at a high clip. That's portal in – Portal out, Sophia Nugent, as well as Jordy Ball. Sophia Nugent, uh, backup catcher to Kenzie Hansen, uh, pinch runner, occasional outfielder. Um, Kenzie Hansen told the Sports Blitz with Dean Blevins on Sunday night. The, I don't think this was on camera. I watched the interview a couple times. They must have told he, She must have told them off camera, yeah, I'm, I'm coming back. I don't think that was ever like a situation where I wonder if she's coming back. Is that going to be – but people are interested. She's coming back. For her COVID year, uh, she was a freshman in that 2020 class, so she gets that COVID year back. 
Uh, and Oklahoma has signed, already signed, the number two class in the country. Three of the top six players, according to D1 softball? No, that's not right. Extra inning softball. Extra inning softball. In elite 100, yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, we got to hurry to the break, but Patty's getting a statue. We'll discuss that as it unfolds. This has just been a lot of fun to cover this team. Coming up next on the show, uh, we haven't talked a whole lot of football in the first two segments because uh, it's softball season, but now it's recruiting season, and our man Randall Sweet's going to join us next. He's at the BV Elite Camp. He's going to tell you all about it on the All Sooners podcast. Hey, are you a business owner looking to get your product out there to the masses? Let's say you run a hotel in Norman or a car dealership in Oklahoma City or a restaurant in Edmond, or maybe you're a small online business who creates and sells OU merchandise, and you just want Sooner Nation to come sample your wares. Well, then consider advertising in this space right here on the SI Sooners podcast. SI Sooners reaches thousands of readers, viewers, and listeners literally every day. And the SI Sooners podcast is the ideal place to find your next customer. To advertise, send an email to allsoonerssi at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter at all underscore Sooners. All right, final segment of the All Sooners podcast. If you enjoy the Sooners, enjoy the All Sooners, and you enjoy the All Sooners podcast, drop us a nice rating. We're like college football coaches. We prefer five stars, right? But uh, please like us and share us on social media. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. All right, let's get to some recruiting. My man Randall has joined us. Randall, what's up? Hey, how you doing, John? Doing good. Uh, you are at the Brent Venables camp today the elite camp, the high school camp. Um, but we're going to start with the big news of yesterday, which was a member of the 2023 class. Isn't even here anymore. Derek yeah. LeBlanc has, uh, has decided to portal his way back probably to Florida. We're guessing he's out of Osceola, Florida, four-star defensive lineman, 6'5", 278. Came in in the spring, uh, did some interviews, you know, talked to the media, talked to the coaches, talked to his teammates, obviously. Went through spring ball, worked out, did the winter workouts, did the summer, started on the summer workouts, and then decided this ain't for me. I'm going back home. Um, well, I don't know if, if you would say we, we don't know exactly what the reason was, Randall, but he put on Twitter late last night, Sooner Nation, due to unforeseen circumstances back home, uh, I entered the transfer portal. I had every intention of being a Sooner for life when I committed, but due to hardships back home, have decided to move closer to home. Uh, thank Coach Venables and Coach Bates for it all. Said he had a good time here, but I'm telling you, kid that wanted to go to Alabama, Georgia offered him, Ohio State offered him. This is a big loss. It's a big loss, Randall. Absolutely. I mean, how many freshmen are, you know, four stars that are also 6'5", 280 pounds that you already have on campus, you know, that are early enrollees? That doesn't come around every day. Of course, there will be a big loss, a kid from the Southeast. Um, and that's right in that sweet spot where, you know, we know that Venables loves to recruit. But, um, you know, as I wrote yesterday, OU, after picking up some transfers, is a lot more prepared for that loss this season than they would have been a couple weeks ago. Now, going forward down the line, of course, uh, you hope that you can find somebody, you know, through whether it is a young guy through the transfer portal or a recruit to fill what you lost there. But like you said, uh, that is a big loss for the Sooners, especially along the D line. Yeah. Now some of those names that you're talking about, um, Devon Sears came in in spring, Jacob Lacey came in, in spring out of Notre Dame. Um, they added a couple of guys here and there, 
from the transfer portal. And then after spring ball into summer, they had a guy from Tennessee, DeJon Terry and Philip Paya out of Utah State. Both those guys have played power five football. Um, so it it's it offsets the loss of Derek LeBlanc, but um those guys what what this tells you is those portal guys, that depth is now gone. Those freshmen, that freshman spot is now open. Those portal guys have to hit. And in 2024, you better be on point. You better land a David Stone. You better land a you know Williams Ranieri or somebody like that. Uh, because you lose you lose a big member, a guy who who has already in, entrenched himself in your program. So we'll 100%. see what their reaction is. And you need those guys from the 2022 class that are still there to step up. For sure. 2022, it's time, right? This is – if you don't play by this by the end of your second year, um, you're probably going to portal out more than likely. Not all the time, of course, but more than likely. Let's talk about some good news for Oklahoma. Uh, Ace Hodges, defensive lineman. He's going to play defensive lineman. He, in high school right now, he's an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. He committed as a preferred walk-on out of Cassidy, 6'2", 270. Um, he's a guy that's going to be able to come in and provide a little bit of depth, a little bit of practice depth, I would think, as a walk-on for sure. But uh, these guys, you never know. Sometimes they emerge quickly, and sometimes they get on the field before you think they will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from all signs, it seems like he's a really hard worker, which uh, you know goes a long way with Venables and this staff. Seems like him and Todd Bates get along really well, which uh, is a great sign. And, you know, to commit to OU as a walk-on, you know, before his senior year even starts is a huge get for OU. I mean, you know, he he could improve uh, a lot this year. He's already had some Division I schools offer him and some other schools show interest. Uh, he's been on visits uh, to some uh, Division I schools. So to get a player of that caliber as a preferred walk-on um, in that defensive line room is really good. He'll... Uh, if nothing else, provide a lot of uh, competition. He's a guy that is going to give it his all. He's going to make you work for it. And, uh, you know, you want those guys, especially on the practice field. Yeah, and it, it seems like every year there's three or four or five guys who get awarded a scholarship. So, you know, they bet on themselves. Their patience is rewarded. Their hard work is rewarded. Uh, and they become minor celebrities for a few minutes while their teammates are mobbing them, right? I mean, that's always fun. You hope to have that moment if you're a walk-on or a preferred walk-on. And, oh, you handed out a lot of preferred walk-on spots this year. So uh, we'll and see how that pans out for them. I mean, just look at Gavin Freeman this last year, you know, true freshman walk-on and, you know, got in, played some good moments and made some highlight plays. So it's possible. All right. You're at the Brent Venables camp today. You're taking a break for lunch as they broke. Uh, I guess you're going to go back out there this afternoon. Yes, sir. And then you'll be back there on the 15th as well. Yep, this um, Thursday. Yeah, you day. described it for us last week, uh, what the camp looks like, what's going on here, and there's stuff going on outside, and there's stuff going so uh, if you guys didn't catch that, go back and l listen to last week's podcast. Um, let's talk about the visitors that came into town, Randall, for uh, the not camp, but the recruiting weekend that Oklahoma hosted over the weekend. First of all, it's really smart to have Michael Hawkins, your quarterback, in town recruiting, especially all those offensive linemen. Absolutely, yeah. So Jason Zendamella. Uh, Grant Nix, um, you know, those are two really interesting names. Nix is a guy from Iowa who's already been, um, you know, forecasted to OU by a few of the recruiting sites out there. And uh, Zandamella put the Sooners in his top five about uh, a few weeks ago. So those are two guys that getting them on campus uh, after knowing that really, uh, really says, uh, really points in the right direction for OU. And like you said, having a guy like Michael Hawkins there 
uh, you know, to talk and be in those guys' ears, that really makes a difference. Um, Marcus Easley is another offensive lineman. Eugene Brooks and Weston Davis were the other three that I'm aware of that were here this weekend. Um, from I saw Marcus Easley posting pictures actually with Michael Hawkins on Twitter, uh, which that's always a good sign following a big recruiting weekend. Let's uh, shift over to the defensive line. Uh, Will Nwari. Nwari. Yeah. Ali, I can't say the kid's name. Nwari. Nwari. Will Nwari. Lee Summit North uh, got his fifth star this week. He's a five-star defensive end, edge rusher. He is He's basically the baddest man in this recruiting class uh, if you're trying to knock the quarterback on his backside, which is what uh, college football is all about nowadays. He visited, he took his official visit over the weekend, and by all accounts, Randall, it sounds like he really had a good time. Uh, my man Parker says that he has, this was his sixth trip to the Norman campus. He knows all about OU. OU knows all about him, but he brought his parents this time, and he said his parents were came away very impressed with what Oklahoma had to sell. Yeah. Uh, so like you said, fifth star, you know, uh, this recently this week, he's the number three overall player in the class, according to 24 seven sports. Um, you know, it's not often that you land a guy like that. Um, and like you said, to have him in Norman so much, you know, being so close, it's really helpful. He was on an official visit to Georgia last week. And I know OU likes to have him after that Georgia visit really stick in his mind more. Um, one thing that I know will help him it OU with him is that uh, his coach and his coach's son also got to travel with him. And his former teammate, Caden Green, is on the team here at OU. Yeah. Now, uh, Winery's coach, Jamar Mazee, he actually played football for OU. He was a running back under Bob Stoops. His son, Isaiah Mazee, was also here. He's a 2025 wide receiver, a four-star that OU's after. Um, and so, you know, having that uh, sense of um, – you know, community here, I know, is is something that a lot of recruits talk about, and I know that it'll really help them with him. Uh, he apparently has a really good relationship with uh, Chavis and Bates, according to uh, Mozi, his coach. Um, and from what it sounds like, uh, OU is uh, in a really good spot with him right now. OU's had a number of tandem backs that they've tried to term thunder and lightning, like Mixon and Samaje and, and – uh... Boy, back in the day, there was some thunder and lightning backs, but Jamar Mosey was thunder and lightning when he ran <laughs> football. He ran with authority. I remember that very well. Um, you mentioned Zandamella. He's a he's a priority for Bill Biedenboe in the offensive line. Eli Bowen, defensive back out of Geyer, his brother's already on campus. Uh, he visited Texas recently, I think, but he was at Oklahoma last week. Yeah, so four-star defensive back. That's a guy that you know the Sooners would really love to have. Um, he's not the only four-star uh, defensive back who has a brother associated with with OU, Michael Hawkins' younger brother, Malik Hawkins, the yes. same way. Um, but like you said, Bowen, he's a priority for uh, Valai right now. Um, he was on campus this week, and it seems like he, he had a really good time as well. Uh, also in the defensive back room was Caleb Beasley, who is a four-star corner from Tennessee. He's actually committed to the volunteers, which makes it really interesting that he would travel all the way from Tennessee to take a visit to Norman. So you have to think that the Sooners are at least in good standing with him. Uh, his teammate, uh, CJ, uh, CJ Jim Coyley, I might be mispronouncing his name, is actually performing very well at the Brent Venables camp in the morning session, another big body defensive back. So uh, it seems like the Sooners have a really good relationship there. And knowing that uh, Jay Valai, the cornerback's coach, came from Alabama originally, it really shows that they might have a good connection there in the Southeast, you know, Tennessee not being too far. 
Yeah, you mentioned coming all the way from Tennessee. How about uh, wide receiver Zion Reagans out of Georgia? Was yeah, in town to visit last week. It sounds like if you read the message boards and read the posts and follow the insiders and the experts and all that, sounds like the oh, you might be getting close to a commitment. Yeah, so he's he's received a few uh, crystal balls, forecasts, you know, all those terms for OU, uh, which is a good sign. Uh, Robert Spears Jennings actually quote tweeted one of them and said, "I'm the best host." Um, so I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds like something pretty pretty positive for OU. This kid is fast he can fly if you watch his huddle film it kind of reminds you of uh what hollywood did here at ou I'm not saying they're the same player but the smaller slider build and the speed um you know i think the second play on his huddle tape he takes a slant route like 80 yards to the house which just reminds you of hollywood brown against oklahoma state um so i know that that the sooners would love to have him and it seems like things are trending really well in that direction if I were an OU recruit, I was going to be uh, on campus for an official. I think I might want to be hosted by RJ as well as Robert <laughs> Spears Jennings. Uh, clever kid, very funny, very engaging in all the media interviews and, and, and times I've talked with him. So, yeah, I could see where he would be an effective, hey, RJ, go get that kid and bring him here and get him signed. I could I could see where that would be a good, good strategy. All right, Randall, um, we've put it off long enough. This weekend, it's finally here. Champ U Barbecue. Yep. The list is uh, the list is long, but it's also darn impressive. Some of the names that they've got: De- Devon Mitchell, David Stone. I think Nigel Smith still coming. Is that right? Uh, as far as I know, Caden Durham. You mentioned him. Uh, Michael Patterson, McDonald, uh, over and more. Uh, Devin Jordan coming out of Union. Xavier Robinson from Carl Albert. So they got a local flavor. They got the best players in the state of Oklahoma, but they've also got the best players at their positions. Uh, around like stone stone is uh has got to be the priority and it just there's so much smoke around him coming to oklahoma but he's playing it so coy he's just not letting too much information out right now yeah i think uh i think OU's in a really good spot you know he's a, like we've mentioned before a guy who grew up in oklahoma you know he took a visit to miami which i don't think people should be too worried about he plays high school football in florida so you know, of course, there's going to be some intrigue there with Miami. But uh, from everything I've seen, he got uh, right back to Oklahoma City as soon as he could after that uh, visit to Miami. Uh, and, you know, since the school year ended, he's been in Oklahoma, you know, kind of making the rounds at a lot of uh, high school practices, you know, meeting up with his old friends. You have to think that if OU is able to land a guy like Michael Patterson McDonald, someone like Caden Durham, these guys that he grew up with here in Oklahoma, um, that that would go a long way to landing Stone. Um, you know, getting a good shot at him with his friends also in town uh, with this big time event like the Champion Barbecue. Things uh, seems like are going really well with OU and Stone right now. And uh, from everything that we're hearing nationally, that's the same same sentiment. Um, is there anything that stands out to you about the list or what you're hearing about the barbecue? I mean, I heard, you know, Toby, Toby Keith is lo- loaning out his, uh, hangar, uh, his airplane hangar with two private jets and they're going to roll in some Bentleys. And I guess Toby already drives one Bentley, but you know what I mean? They're going to do the luxury car thing out there. They're not going to do it on the football field. Um, anything you're hearing that's, uh, that's going to put OU in front with some of these guys? Uh, I've heard that that it went over really well with the recruits. Uh, everyone seemed to really enjoy that. Um, they said that Toby Keith really went all out. 
Um, so I guess the, his OU fandom is showing, um, you know, he was at the college women's college world series, helping them celebrate. And now he's, you know, this last, this past weekend, he was uh, helping host visitors. And I know for champion barbecue, he'll be doing the same thing. Um, you know, uh, Jonah Laulu, uh, posted some videos on Instagram about, uh, kind of the scene there and it looked amazing. Um, if you're a recruit and you're in that situation, I can definitely see how it would be, uh, influential. Uh, one, two guys that uh, we kind of skipped over who are going to be there. Joseph Jonah Ajanye, another big-time defensive lineman, and Taylor Tatum, a big-time running back, out of both out of Texas. Uh, Tatum, it seems like OU is kind of in a battle with uh, USC, which is, uh, you know, of course, a battle that OU would always like to win. Um, so that'll be uh, big time getting him on the campus. And then getting Jonah Ajanye with David Stone, um, that'll be big too, you know, having two big-time defensive linemen, Tatum and... Um, Joe and Johnny are both uh, four stars. So those would be big gets for you. We'll ho- hope uh, Toby Keith can reel them in. Toby Keith, how do you like me now? Yeah. By the way, that's a that's a song for like when you when nobody believed in you and that's an underdog comeback song. And it doesn't really apply to Oklahoma softball, does it? When they're the best no. team in history and everybody <laughs> knew they were going to win the national championship. How do you like yeah. me now? I like you the same as I did when I thought you were going to win the national championship. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fun stuff. Uh, you were, by the way, you were at the Patty Gasso, um, the, the, I should say, the team celebration the next day, shooting okay. video, and you were there when Joe Castiglione said, we're going to build a statue to Patty Gasso. What was, uh, what were your thoughts on that, the reaction from the crowd, shooting the video and all that? What was, uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, man, the crowd, they loved it. They went crazy immediately. Um, you know, you could kind of tell whenever uh, he started to talk about the statue that you know, he was he was going to that they were going to break some sort of news. Um, you know, I tried to get a video of uh, Coach Gasso's face, but she, <laughs> like always, was emotionless. You know, the same same stoic look as always. But when she got up to onto the podium, she couldn't hold back. She started yeah. uh, crying. Then I was I have uh, covered the OU softball team. I covered them uh, last year whenever I was in college still. Um, and I never saw a hint of emotion this year watching them. Same thing. And then. Um, to her to see her get up there and not be able to hold back that was pretty uh it was pretty it felt pretty genuine you could tell that she really cared about the university the team all that i've seen her first of all the statue's got to go at love's field it's not going to heisman park right why would it go on heisman park that's for <laughs> heisman's um i've seen her break down and cry and and do this thing you know where you have to stop and compose yourself this year this season five or six times mm-hmm. where in past years, she's just been like, Stoic. whatever, it's fine. Uh, this year's gotten to her a little bit, and I think probably makes that winning that seventh national championship all the sweeter. Absolutely, she 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 said that uh, after they after they won their third national championship, she changed her Twitter password, I think it was, or some sort of password to uh, Natty's for Patty four question mark. And so now she said they'll have to be natties for Patty eight question mark all right. these years later. How great is that? You think they're gonna do it? They're gonna they're gonna four Pete? Oh, man. I mean, it's of course it's possible with if she's at the helm, the great players that they have, and they, they are losing a few other coaches, you know, um at, at least one that I know of which will hurt. But you know, OU softball, they're like Alabama football. They always find a way to reload. She's Nick Saban only a lot nicer. Yeah, exactly. A lot more <laughs> the media. Good stuff, Randall. Appreciate it, man. Get out there and uh, enjoy part two of day four, day three or day four yeah. of the Brent Venables camp, and you'll be back on Thursday. So we'll have a recap of your thoughts on that next week. 
Yep, absolutely. Thanks, John. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to you guys, and thanks for watching on YouTube. We'll be back next week on the All Sooners podcast. And, of course, you can catch that one and all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeart, anywhere you get your podcast, we're there. If you have an Amazon-enabled device, just say, Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. It's also posted on our website, which is allsooners.com. Just click on the player on the tab there and uh, listen on your phone, your tablet, your computer. And, of course, you can catch all of our shows on my YouTube channel, John Hoover Media. For Ryan Chapman and Randall Sweet, I'm John Hoover. See you.